0: Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. My name is Mo, and I'm excited to be actually sitting in the hosting chair today because I have a very special guest with me, Sergeant First Class, John Noe.
1: John, how you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Oh, man, I am excited. Uh, John and I are actually, we're in the same office right now. Um, we uh, are in the same Army unit, and we've known each other for about 10 years now. Um, and we have, uh, I mean, he he just tells me all these great stories, and I just sit there and laugh and say, tell me some more. So I was like, dude, I got to have you on my podcast. And he's like, yeah, for, for real. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So we're here. We're we're sitting here. So uh man, I'm excited. Um, so for our audience, um, you know, just to kind of let you know uh who who John is and what he does, um, he's a mortuary affairs guy and he'll tell you what that means. But I as a chaplain work very closely with the Mortuary Affairs Unit. Uh and so he and I have great conversations. Um, John, why don't you tell our audience um what does it mean to be a mortuary affairs um specialty? in the army? What do you do? Um, how do you guys fit into the war? Um, t- tell, tell us all that good stuff.
1: Yeah. I think mortuary affairs is just, um, one of the most important jobs, even though it's not something that anybody really ever thinks about or knows about. And that's, that's why it's important. It's like, you don't want the remains on the battlefield for the media, for yeah. everybody to, um, to grovel over or or you know i mean obviously uh we're there to provide that dignity honor and respect yes. of transporting those remains back from the battlefield back to the home of record which is their family you know and and ideally to do that in a timely manner where the remains are still viewable if the if the family chooses to have a viewing
0: yeah yeah that's uh that's a pretty that's a pretty tall order and um you know, it's it's very important, and as a chaplain, I can tell you that is, um, it probably, there's nothing more important than, than honoring the dead, um, and so I appreciate what you and your team uh, do, and I, I appreciate uh, you, as you know. Um, so, t- tell me about, um, you know, I know that you were, uh, you've been on several deployments, um, you know, tell me about um, a fallen soldier, maybe, not by name, obviously, but um where 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 was that death? um how did you prepare the remains to come back? Did the remains get back? um what What's that process like?
1: Well, um you know what, one story that I have is, is is actually uh the story of Pat Tillman. I don't know if you if Absolutely. you know the name. Oh, yeah. He was an NFL star yep. he he had you know I think he was making two million dollars a year in 2003 and he decided to, uh, 2002, uh, he decided to join the army because he's like, they're at war, I wanna serve my country. He gave up a $2 million contract to go join and be an army ranger and um, and what a heroic uh, effort that was, just just to lay down the money and go serve his country. Um, regardless of what happened after that. Um at, at some point he was killed and and you know, you you probably all know the story. It was later determined that it was friendly fire and uh and so on and so forth. But at the time um you know he died, I was actually working at Dover Air Force Base at the yeah. time. And um and so that's the story of, of uh of a decedent that you know I was honored to serve that. I was honored to serve that family by helping to prepare him, uh, helping to dress him, helping to make sure his personal items were secured and and, uh, went with his remains back to his home of record. Uh, His brother actually was in the unit um, and his brother came back to Dover with him and escorted him all the way back for the funeral service. But, um, you know, it was that was just one uh, one soldier. But I mean, Hi. there was hundreds, probably over 300 during the oh, six months God. that I was at Dover, uh, over 300 oh. service members that we that we served there. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: But and and for our audience, I've I've heard a lot of stories from uh, Sergeant No. I've not heard that story. You've never told me that story. That's crazy. I didn't know that you. I I, I read um, the book, and and we'll, we'll put this in our show notes. Um, it's called "Where Men Win Glory: The Odyssey of Pat Tillman." And and I I read that ten years ago, um, and I've just been in the army for a little bit. And so just wow, putting another piece of that. So, um, and that that that's really cool. Um. You now, John. So, when the you know when when a fallen soldier, um, you know, you you, you dress the body. Um, ha- what's the process to to get the body actually back home from overseas? Um, like, what uh, do you guys have? Like refrigeration units, or do you? Uh, I mean, I, 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 what do you do with that? And then once um, the body, like, where do we fly the the remains in? And then how do they like? How does a soldier who lives in California get back to California?
1: yeah I'll just kind of uh walk you through the process from the from the point of death uh the losing the losing unit actually is usually the one that recovers their own remains and and brings them back to the the secure area usually some kind of fob that's where the mortuary affairs are and and we have collection points that are set up on the battlefield strategically located so that it's kind of a, more of a central area so that when the units lose a soldier, they can just bring them to us and we take care of the rest. Um, As soon as we get the remains there at the mortuary or the collection point, we call it, um, then we uh, start trying to secure that flight. There's certain documents that we have to prepare, but we start trying to secure that flight. And uh, usually within 12 to 24 hours, that flight will be going back to, like, some sort of theater evacuation point. And then from the theater evacuation point, that's where it goes back to uh, Dover Air Force Base. In most cases, um, the remains will be evacuated to Dover stateside. And uh, there is usually a layover where the remains are re-iced in the flight from, you know, if it is coming from the Middle East or some place like that. Then they'll usually re-ice in germany or somewhere and maybe spain or something put some fresh ice on before it goes over the atlantic okay. um, and and makes their way back to dover and then from dover air force base uh, a good movie to watch it would be taking chance that one uh really shows how the remains go from dover back to the family, uh, an escort is assigned and, uh, that escort will, will be with the remains the whole time Mm -hmm. and even be with the family to help with funeral arrangements if needed. So, uh, all the way up until the burial. So, uh, once the burial takes place, uh, then that, that escort usually then is released and, and goes back to his place of duty, but, um, full-time, Active duty military personnel that that do that that part of the the process. All the preparation and things is done there at Dover. Um, there could be additional preparation that's done at the local mortuary. So there will be a receiving mortuary, civilian mortuary that handles the the final disposition, whether that's a graveside service, a chapel service, or or things like that. Wow. Which which I actually do. On the civilian side, that's my <laughs> that's, right. that's my job. I'm a I'm an embalmer, funeral director on the civilian side. Yeah. So, I've done it uh, not only from the for the military. I've, I've done, done it, it at the mortuary affairs collection point. Yeah, I've done it at the theater mortuary evacuation point. I've done it at the uh, theater mortuary affairs office, which kind of has oversight over all of the mortuary affairs collection points in the theater. Wow. And then I've also done it at Dover. And and I've also done it on the civilian side at the receiving mortuary where we've received, uh, you know, in in my case, uh, mostly Air Force, but sometimes Army personnel. Sure. Because we're right next to an Air Force base. And so, uh, you know, where we have the funeral service and everything like that. Wow. Um
0: so what what's the most uh, rewarding part of your job?
1: You know, uh, for me, I, I've gotten into mortuary affairs in general just yeah. because it felt like a service that I wanted to provide that I felt like not everybody wants to provide. Um, not everybody, uh, mentally can, can handle yeah. human remains. Yeah. And, um, you know, just being grounded in my faith, um, you know, I, I've always been able to handle that mentally. And, uh, you know, across the Army, even, the Mortuary Affairs job as a whole has um, has a kind of a higher rate of, of PTSD. Hmm. Even though we're not on the front lines, we're not the trigger pullers, we're not uh, usually engaged in combat. Um, but the PTSD can be very high just yeah. from seeing the after effects of the combat and being around it 24 seven you yeah. know um, so I've been blessed to um, to have kind of a, the fortitude um, for that and um, to be able to use that. I feel like I'm helping people do something that uh, that a lot of people wouldn't want to do. Yeah. And, and and so helping to provide a service. And and so that's what kind of led me when I got off active duty. I was active duty for four years. I've since been in the reserves. When I came off active duty, I stopped, you know, Mortuary College and eventually uh went to work in a mortuary. It's just a, I mean, for me it's fulfilling just to know, even though even if you never see the family, just to know that you provided a service, um, to give them closure you know if they do want to have a final viewing right. or um you know so, sometimes even uh those those pow MIA accounting command remains that get get uh found whether it's in korea yeah. you know laos cambodia north, uh, north korea um we have soldiers and civilians that go out and they they do these digs out there they're trying to recover every human remains that every u s uh casualty from those prior wars and they're trying to get them all back home and we've had um uh, we had someone in Santa Maria, a soldier in Santa Maria that uh died in Korea and his remains were recovered and um, they came back to Santa Maria cemetery and we had a, a funeral service mm. even though it was just a small portion of of remains, yeah. but it gave the family that closure that oh we found his remains you know wow yeah from 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 56 yeah. years ago
0: yeah i mean and that's why we have the uh,
1: POW/MIA
0: um you know society and flag that you see around and all that kind of stuff for you know those of our our listeners um you know we we never we never leave a fallen soldier um fallen comrade and so until we know that's why there's your MIA until you are um for sure right okay yeah. yeah so i'm uh, like wow that's that's great, brother. Um, so, uh, John, w- you and I—we have conversations all the time. I'm always asking you to tell me um, stories because you've been on several deployments um, ever since the beginning of uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so th- there's no wrong answer to this. Um, but tell, tell, t- tell me, uh, tell me the story. Tell me a war story. Tell me something that that's that's fresh on your mind right now. Uh, just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of an inside of what these army guys and girls um what, what they encounter.
1: What give think me one. Give me a good you one. You know, you're you're a very experienced chaplain and uh I want to tell you a little bit about a very inexperienced chaplain uh of <laughs> okay. uh, second lieutenant. And uh you know they they say you can't spell loss without an L T. <laughs> That's uh, true. It was a second lieutenant in the National Guard. English was not his first language. I think he was like some sort of Methodist uh, background or something like that. But um, he came into Jordan, and uh, the you know the the National Guard was kind of taking over. The Special Forces were leaving. They had kind of um, they had kind of occupied that area. You know, initially, and then they, they were all kind of like um, done. They did they did their thing, and they were leaving, closing up shop. And uh, you know, the National Guard was kind of like, you know, left to their own devices. Like you got So even though there was something established, yeah, um, as far as like a defect and like a chapel and stuff like that, well, the National Guard had to do all their own stuff and, and set up their own stuff. And um, because, you know, everything else was closing and they were going to be kind of like the long term, you know, fob, you know, building a fob. Right. Yeah. Well, the the only chaplain that the National Guard had was a second lieutenant. And he had like a little GP small. I don't know if you remember the old frame tents. Yeah. That was his. Yeah. that was his church. And he, he, you know, he got some folding chairs and. I remember the first day he got there, because we were already there, my Mortuary Affairs team, and uh, we weren't that busy at the time. It yeah. You know, we hadn't received any any KIAs or anything. So I went over and, you know, I was always interested in tying in with the chaplains. As you know, yeah. you know, they tie in with the Mortuary Affairs team for whether it's uh, last rites, whether it's, um, you know, like they do some different ramp ceremonies and things like that. Um, memorial services right. for the soldiers there, often the chaplains will be left to do the memorial service if there was a KIA mm. um, because the soldiers can't go home and have the funeral service. That they're, they're, they're still in yeah. the fight, yeah. you know,
0: combat. so
1: so the chaplain will just do a, a hasty memorial service there for the soldiers because they lost a friend. They yeah. lost the loved one, you know. Um, but, so I was tied in with the chaplain and and so as soon as he got there and I saw what he was working with and uh he had like maybe ten CDs and that was the that was the music that they would play yeah. on the um on a little boom box about you know eight by ten inch, you know, boom box about four inches yeah. high. And uh and he'd play the music for the chapel service and he'd do this real liturgical service and everything, and there was like three people there, you know? Yeah. And I was like, wow, we could really improve things here. So I, I started talking to him and he said, yeah, I want to improve. I want to do this. I want to do that, but I don't know how. And so I would, I would be like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, I can do a PowerPoint with this, with the words for the songs and put it up on a projector. Yeah. And, you know, we have a, we can get a projector over here from supply. Uh, and then it came to the point where I was Uh, picking the music for the chapel service i was leading the music for the chapel service putting the songs together putting (laughs) them up on powerpoint and you know i basically i was basically a chaplain's assistant he didn't have one and and so i got to serve as a chaplain's assistant uh the mortuary wasn't busy thankfully at that time and and so i got to basically be a chaplain's assistant so i I think that's (laughs) a story that i think uh ties in with the chaplain and you've my, you're my chaplain now. Yeah. And, uh, man, you, uh, came in with so much experience, uh, obviously it's different being a brigade chaplain than it is like, right. you know, the yep. little, yeah. uh, company chaplain, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a pleasure working with you. He was, he was a really nice guy. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. chaplain was great, but he just had no idea. Like even, I don't think he even really, Maybe he pastored a church at home, but sure. Uh, maybe not because he didn't re- really seem to know what was going on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well,
0: lucky you were there, man. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you this: uh, for you know, um, for chaplains, we we rely on our chaplain assistants or religious affairs specialists uh, a lot. So if that guy didn't have one, then he was he was already at, dis- at a disadvantage. So he's he's lucky that had yeah, you come along. So dude, I, I love that story, though. When, whenever you tell me that one, I'm like, that 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 poor guy.
1: I I don't know if it's much of a war story, but because we weren't like pulling triggers or you know like you know in combat, but yeah. um, but you know that was in a wartime operation, a wartime theater of of operations. So yeah.
0: Well, I mean, and really, that's uh, you know, my 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 friends outside of the army, um, all, all the, the the young men and women that that I mentor and coach, they're always asking me like, well, what do you? I mean, what do you guys do in the army? And um, and what they don't know usually is a lot of what war, or wartime, and is is a lot of this this kind of stuff. You know, it's um, it's what what do you do in, in between, and and what what do you do when you're you're not doing your your job? Like you know, you said you know, faithfully you weren't you didn't have a, any KIA for a while. And, you know, so that, that, that's a great story. And um it really helps my listeners to understand.
1: Yeah. Good, good news ending to that story too. When I, when I left Jordan, yeah, then there was probably at least 30 or 40 people coming every Sunday to, to church. To that guy's service? Yes, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, you know, I I started doing the music, yeah. But then it just took off from there. Like, all, I posted some flyers. I was like, "We need help with music." So I said, "I, I said, well, let's just post some flyers. Let's see if there's any good singers out there." Yeah. And I posted flyers, "Hey, choir practice," and you yeah. and, and you know what happened? Yeah people came some guy from the air force showed up with his keyboard uh, i was like how would you get a keyboard here he's in the air force so you know <laughs> air force, they do whatever they want, right yeah. i was like how'd you get a keyboard here and yeah. you know his keyboard sounded great another guy came with his guitar and it was like it was like we had a full band yeah, and everything right. and i was like i was like wow all you got to do is post the flyers and then everybody shows up i think people were just getting you know everything as everything got established there yeah. too you know they were they were trying to find stuff to occupy their time because you know that's one of the things you're fighting if you're not actually like engaged in combat you're fighting the boredom really <laughs> you absolutely
0: know? yeah um you know john who, who is uh who's somebody in your life um who has helped to shape you into the person that you are, whether it's in the army or um outside, um, who's somebody that, that's really that you look to and say, man, um, it's because of him, it's because of her, that I really wanna be better and I want to be a better soldier. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better you know, who, who, who's somebody in your life?
1: You know I I have to I have to say my dad. Yeah. Okay. And I know it's not somebody that anyone else can relate to and you don't know my dad. Uh, but my my dad is a pastor too, yep. and and, and yep. um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I got into mortuary affairs is like I I didn't want to be a pastor, <laughs> it's like uh, you know, maybe it's all the funeral services that he dragged me to when I was six years old, you know, yep. but uh, whatever the case is, like he, he's an amazing person, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if I was as good as he, as he is, then yeah. uh you know think this world would be a better place you know yeah. um but yeah I would, I would definitely have to save my dad yeah that's great man i mean there's I'm... there's so many people in the yeah. army and everywhere that i've worked with that i've uh gotten to know i, I my current boss is is uh at the at the mortuary sure. um like he's a great guy and i've learned so much from him just about um you know kind of how you how you say things is how you're influencing the reaction that you're going to get. Yes, And, you know, in funeral services, so important to be able to say things in a way that everybody's on the same page. Everybody, you know, knows and understands, you know, and sometimes I, you could probably tell on this podcast that I I kind of am long winded and I beat around the bush a little bit. But it's like uh, yeah, yeah, but uh but learning how to communicate better yeah. and, and my, my current boss has really showed me that Mike Hoffman. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Well, um
0: do you have any do you have one book that you think that every leader should read? is, is there a book that has maybe influenced you that could maybe but i'm always telling my audience they need to read more that all all leaders are readers um what's a book that's influenced you yeah
1: i would say the purpose driven life it's a book that i am rereading with my wife we recently started rereading it We we just do like maybe a chapter per week but if you don't have a purpose in your life like how are you able to lead anyone i mean absolutely you know and you know, having a life with purpose or having a purpose that you can look back at and say, you know, hey, I'm fulfilling my goals and and, and I'm doing the things that uh, that gives me purpose. You know, um, you know, I think that's important. And I think that book really addresses those that neatly for me. Yeah. Uh, Rick Warren, I think, is the yep. author. There. Yeah. Yeah. Good book.
0: Well, hey, man, we're we're definitely um, going to have you back on, on the podcast, um, you know, uh, in the future, and I appreciate you uh, coming in. Now, at, at the end of my podcast, um, usually um, my co-host will ask me for Mo's final thoughts, um, but for today, um, do you have any
1: final thoughts uh, of wisdom or encouragement for our listeners? You, you know, I, I've been in the Army for 20-plus years, and... Um, and that's, it's getting to be a long time, more than half my life. My my wife always points out to me. (laughs) Um, and so I'll leave you with, uh, leadership. That is an acronym that we use in the army. And, um, it stands for loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. I know it's not It doesn't spell it all out. Leader is LDR is the acronym, S-H-I-P. But but that's an acronym that I learned the first day that I joined the Army. And, uh, you know, even in basic training, they they talked about this leadership acronym. And um, I think if you're doing those things, and I'm always refreshed in my mind, you know, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity. And personal courage.
0: Wow. Man, that's that's a good word, brother. I, I love that I learned that as well. Um boy, I I appreciate your time. Um, you know, I'm glad uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, you know, excited that we actually get to sit in the same room uh to do this podcast. Um and uh you know, I've appreciated our friendship over the years and I've learned a ton from you um and all, all of the you know um sergeants and you know uh, as we call the non commissioned officers um, and other officers, um, over the years. And so, uh, I'm just so glad that you are able to be on the podcast to share with my listeners, some of the influence that has been, uh, bestowed on me over all these years. So, um, again, thanks brother for coming on and, um, we're going to have you on again. So thanks a
1: lot. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the rising tide leadership podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next time as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next time.